0: The book of Acts is the book of the continuing Christ. What Christ began in the gospel records, he continues in the book of Acts. In the first part of Acts, chapters 1 through 7, we join the adventures of what the Holy Spirit was doing through the apostles in the early church. This work was primarily focused in Jerusalem. The second section of Acts, however, advances beyond Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. In this section of our study, we see the power of the gospel on full display, changing the lives of those who hear it. Let's join Scott now as the adventure continues.
1: God is always advancing. The gospel is on the move. Christ is building his church. When you study the book of Acts, it really is a book of action. There is a a forward momentum a great reminder, I think, to all of us that the work of the Holy Spirit is always to move us forward for the Lord. That our God is not passive. He's active. And if we're going to be in tune with of God, guess what? We have to be active. We have to be moving forward with him. Now, as you study the book of Acts, there is a progression. There's a progression geographically. Uh, that's the way we've approached our study of the book of Acts. Uh, we began in Jerusalem in the opening chapters. That's where God always begins, close to home. And now we've come to Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 9, and we see the gospel rings, if you will, the ripple effect, moving out from Jerusalem to Judea and to Samaria. Then when you come to the final chapters of the book of Acts, it is literally to the uttermost part of the earth. So exactly following the order, the divine order Christ gave in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, we see this progression. There's also a progression of characters. I mean by that, that God is working through individuals and each person has their time. Oh, dear listener, you have your time. I have my time. Don't miss your moment. It's not going to last forever. So we begin with Peter in the book of Acts as the dominant character being greatly used to the Lord to feed the sheep in the absence of the Lord Jesus Christ Uh, Then we move to Stephen, the first martyr. Then we move to Philip, the evangelist. And now we come to the man known first as Saul, but eventually as Paul. We caught a little glimpse of him when Stephen was stoned because he was there. Remember, he was holding the coats of those who stoned Stephen. And now when you come to Acts chapter number 9, we're introduced to this man more personally, and it is his personal encounter with Christ that is recorded for us. Listen to Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse number 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest. Let me stop and say, uh, this does not sound positive. Uh, This does not sound promising. Breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. Isn't it amazing, the mighty power of God? Isn't it amazing that when a person comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, there is this radical transformation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. By the time we get to the end of Acts chapter number 9, this same man is not going to be breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. He's going to be speaking the same gospel and edifying and exhorting and encouraging the disciples of the Lord. I tell you, only Jesus can do that. The Bible says in verse 2, He desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So the, the setting is this. Saul, who is a devout Pharisee, a very religious man, Uh, is literally hunting, chasing down the followers of Jesus Christ and arresting them. He's he's working against the Lord and against the work of the New Testament church, against the gospel. I love this expression in verse 2, this way. If you found any of this way, do you remember that before believers were known as Christians? We'll study this. They were called Christians first at Antioch. But before they were known as Christians... They were fo- known as followers of the way or the people of the way. Well, why would that be? It goes all the way back to what Jesus said in John chapter 14 when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So the way was not a place. Uh, the way was not a, a process. The way was a person. The way was Jesus Christ. I like this expression, followers Of the way people of this way I'm glad I know the way I'm on the way the way is with me at this moment I know the Lord Jesus Christ and then in verse number three it says and as he journeyed there's a little play on words here he's looking for people of the way and he's on his own journey as he journeyed he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him Saul Saul Why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now, we're going to study this entire passage. We're going to walk through it slowly. We're going to try to glean from it as much as we possibly can, but I want to begin today with eight words, eight words that sincerely asked and answered and acted on will change your life forever. Here are the eight words. You ready? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Lord, what will thou have me to do? That's more than a prayer. That's a way of life. That is more than a question for information. This is a statement of surrender. Uh, This is the white flag moment that changes everything. In fact, I believe this question or some variation of it has marked all of the people who've really made a difference for the Lord. Do you remember Samuel? How did Samuel say it? Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. How about Isaiah? Isaiah, hear my Lord, send me. Here's the Apostle Paul, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? This is the question, I believe, that marked all of Paul's life from this day forward. It was not asked once on the road to Damascus. I believe it was all along the journey, as he journeyed. You see, we're all on a journey with Jesus. And uh, your journey with the Lord Jesus is taken one step at a time. Paul's going to spend the rest of his life on missionary journeys. But for now, for now, all he had to discover was God's next step for him. Several years ago, I was reading a certain book about the will of God. And in it, the author used a fascinating analogy, and illustration that really stayed with me. He said, the will of God never comes like a syllabus. It unrolls like a scroll. Uh, If you have been in school for any length of time, you know what a syllabus is. It is theoretically what the teacher gives you at the beginning of a course that outlines all of the requirements. And teachers and students both know that doesn't work perfectly. Uh, Syllabi have have a tendency to change over time. Uh, But we have this idea, if God would just drop the will of God out of heaven like a syllabus, we could read it, review it, discuss it, understand it, and act on it. But the will of God never comes all at once. It never comes like a syllabus. Instead, it unrolls like a scroll. You ever seen an ancient scroll? You have to unroll a little time and read that, and then unroll a little more and read that, and unroll a little more and read that. The will of God never comes all at once. It comes one step at a time, one day at a time, one moment at a time, as you are willing to live by these eight words, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? I want to challenge you today. Stop waiting on the whole book to fall out of the sky, all the details of your future, and instead... Ask this one question, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Find out the next step and take that. As you do, the scroll will open a little more, and the Lord will reveal more to you. We'll return to Acts chapter 9 in our next study, and I hope for today, by God's grace, these eight words will guide your life.
0: What an encouragement to us today to remember the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel changed lives in the first century, and the gospel is still changing lives today. If you missed the first section of this study on The Adventure Continues, be sure to visit our website, enjoyingthejourney.org, where you can access this study along with many other resources to encourage you in your walk with God. However you listen to this podcast, we are grateful for each of you. We hope you will continue to listen and also share it with others. From all of us on the Enjoying the Journey team, may God bless you and help you enjoy the journey.